This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. So, Team Buck, we are a few days away from Christmas, and uh, we have many servicemen and women overseas uh, in posts all over the world, including uh, an estimated 5,000 or so in Iraq and around 11,000 in Afghanistan, and then, of course, uh, many thousands more at large bases, Germany, Okinawa, South Korea. Uh, and then, of course, those who are in places that I don't know about and we wouldn't talk about if we did know. Uh, but they will not be, uh, many of them will not be spending Christmas with their families. I was thinking about that this morning, and I was also uh, thinking about this tr- horrific truck uh, truck massacre that happened in Berlin. And it kind of reminded me that there are people who stand on the wall to stop that truck. Um, and there was a speech that was given, and I thought we should spend some spend a few moments here to think about as the Christmas holiday approaches those who are who are actually standing on that wall in places all over the world and what they do and what they 're willing to do. This is a speech uh, from General Kelly, who is going to be the Department of Homeland Security uh, head under the Trump administration, assuming he gets through confirmation, which I think he will. And it's a story that he tells about a couple of Marines who had just met and were on guard duty, and they were faced with a truck intent on mass murder, and it failed. And it failed because of these two young Marines who had never met each other before. And General Kelly, Marine Lieutenant General John Kelly, told this, this is from a speech back in 2010, and I wanted to read to you an excerpt of it. This reminds me, you know, as jihadists are trying to mow us, all of us, all decent human beings all over the world, mow us down with trucks, and sometimes those trucks are full of explosives. Uh, We thank God we've got people like the U.S. Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force, all of our armed forces, and the armed forces of allied countries to stand in the way of the truck. Here's what Kelly had to say about this in his speech. Two years ago, when I was the commander of all U.S. and Iraqi forces, this is back in 2010, in fact, the 22nd of April, 2008, two Marine infantry battalions, uh, 1-9, the Walking Dead, and the 2-8, were switching out in Ramadi. Uh, One battalion in the closing days of their deployment going home very soon, the other just starting its seven-month combat tour. Two Marines... Corporal Jonathan Yale and Lance Corporal Jordan Harter, 22 and 20 years old respectively, one from each battalion, were assuming the watch together at the entrance gate of an outpost that contained a makeshift barracks housing 50 Marines. The same broken-down, ramshackle building was also home to 100 Iraqi police, also my men and our allies in the fight against the terrorists in Ramadi, a city until recently the most dangerous city on earth and owned by Al-Qaeda. 
Yale was a dirt poor mixed race kid from Virginia with a wife and daughter and a, and a mother and sister who lived with him and he supported it as well. He did this on a yearly salary of less than $23,000. Harder, on the other hand, was a middle-class white kid from Long Island. They were from two completely different worlds. Had they not joined the Marines, they would never have met each other or understood that multiple Americas exist simultaneously, depending on one's race, education level, economic status, and where you might have been born. But they were Marines, combat Marines, forged in the same crucible of Marine training, and because of this bond, they were brothers as close or closer than if they had been born of the same woman. The mission orders they received from the sergeant squad leader, I am sure, went something like, Okay, you two clowns, stand this post and let no unauthorized personnel or vehicles pass. You clear? I'm also sure Yale and Harder then rolled their eyes and said in unison something like, Yes, Sergeant, with just enough attitude that made the point without saying the words, No kidding, sweetheart, we know what we're doing. They then relieved two other Marines on watch and took up their post at the entry control point of Joint Security Station Nasser in the Sophia section of Ramadi in Al-Anbar province, Iraq. A few minutes later, a large blue truck turned down the alleyway, perhaps 60 to 70 yards in length, and sped its way through the serpentine of concrete jersey walls. The truck stopped just short of where the two were posted and detonated, killing them both catastrophically. Twenty-four brick masonry houses were damaged or destroyed. A mosque a hundred yards away collapsed. The truck's engine came to rest 200 yards away, knocking most of a house down before it stopped. Our explosives experts reckon the blast was made of 2,000 pounds of explosives. Two died, and because these two young infantrymen didn't have it in their DNA to run from danger, they saved 150 of their Iraqi and American brothers-in-arms. When I read the situation report about the incident a few hours after it happened, I called the regimental commander for details as something about this struck me as different. Marines dying or being seriously wounded is commonplace in combat. We expect Marines, regardless of rank or anything else, to stand their ground and do their duty and even die in the process if that's what the mission takes. But this just seemed different. The regimental commander had just returned from the site and he agreed, but reported that there were no American witnesses to the event, just Iraqi police. I figured if there was any chance of finding out what actually happened and then to decorate the two Marines to acknowledge their bravery, I'd have to do it as a combat award that requires two eyewitnesses and we figured the bureaucrats back, back in Washington would never buy Iraqi statements. If it had any chance at all, it had to come under the signature of a general officer. I traveled to Ramadi the next day and spoke individually to a half dozen Iraqi police, all of them whom told the same story. The blue truck turned down the alley and immediately sped up as it made its way through the serpentine. They all said, we knew immediately what was going on as soon as the two Marines began firing. The Iraqi police then related that some of them also fired and then to a man ran for safety just prior to the explosion. All of them survived. Many were injured, some seriously. One of the Iraqis elaborating with tears welling up said they'd run like any normal man would to save his life. What he didn't know until then, he said, and what he learned that very instant was that Marines are not normal. Choking past the emotion, he said, Sir, in the name of God, no sane man would have stood there and done what they did. No sane man. 
They saved us all. What we didn't know at the time and only learned a couple of days later after I wrote a summary and submitted both Yale and Harder for uh, posthumous Navy crosses was that one of our security cameras damaged initially in the blast recorded some of the suicide attack. It happened exactly as the Iraqis described it. It took exactly six seconds from when the truck entered the alley until it detonated. You can watch the last six seconds of their young lives. Putting myself in their heads, I suppose it took about a second for the two Marines to separately come to the same conclusion about what was going on once the truck came into their view at the far end of the alley. Exactly no time to talk it over or call the sergeant to ask what they should do. Only enough time to take half an instant and think about what the sergeant told them to do a few minutes before. Let no unauthorized personnel or vehicles pass. The two Marines had about five seconds left to live. It took maybe another two seconds for them to present their weapons, take aim, and open up. By this time, the truck was halfway through the barriers and gaining speed the whole time. Here, the recording shows a number of Iraqi police, some of whom had fired their AKs, now scattering like the normal and rational men they were, some running right past the Marines. Marines had three seconds left to live. For about two seconds more, the recording shows the Marines firing nonstop, the truck's windshield exploding into shards of glass as their rounds take it apart and tore into the body of the SOB who's trying to get past them to kill their brothers, American and Iraqi, bedded down in the barracks, totally unaware of the fact that their lives at that moment depended entirely on two Marines standing their ground. If they had been aware, they would, have know, they, they would know they were safe because two Marines stood between them and a crazed suicide bomber. The recording shows the truck careening to a stop immediately in front of the two Marines. And all the instantaneous violence, Yale and Harder never hesitated. By all reports and by the recording, they never stepped back. They never even started to step aside. They never even shifted their weight. With their feet spread shoulder-width apart, they leaned into the danger, firing as fast as they could work their weapons. They only had one second left to live. The truck explodes. The camera goes blank. Two young men go to their God. Six seconds. Not enough time to think about their families, their country, their flag, or about their lives or their deaths. But more than enough time for two very brave young men to do their duty into eternity. That is the kind of people who are on the watch all over the world tonight for you. Merry Christmas to all of them. The Buck Sexton Show. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800 600 1645 800-600-1645. 